Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. It's a privilege to be here this morning, privilege to preach the word because we need it. Um, Oh, we were talking about this the other day. What, why is it that I can't remember what, I, you know, what, what the preacher preached last Sunday or the Sunday before or the Sunday before? And you kind of think, oh, man, it's, it's just about futility in my mind until someone said to me a number of years ago, said to me, well, look, do you ever remember your meal that you had two days ago or three days ago or four days ago? You know, what did you have for dinner two nights ago? And you think, well, I can't even remember that. And, uh, yeah, but we still needed it, right? So that's the thing, like you still need it. The Word of God is alive and active. There's something that can happen in your life when you uh, listen, hear the Word of God, right? What happens when you hear the Word of God? What, what's the first thing that happens? What rises up? Faith. Faith, yeah. Faith comes by hearing, hearing what? Hearing the Word of God. And so let there be faith in the room this morning as the Word of God is preached. Here's the first scripture, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And we're going to be talking about uh, our emotional well-being. So get ready for this because it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of cones are going to get in the way. A lot of uh, trucks are going to get in the way. Uh, and you're going to have to drive on some grass to get through some of the, the barriers that uh, appear this morning. Is that all right? Because, uh, you know, it's always good to know. I mean, we know we have cones. We know we have roadblocks and barriers that, prevent us from or hinder us from moving into all that God has for us, but sometimes we don't actually know what those things are. And so I thought it'd be good to share some thoughts in regards to that. I thought it was great what Shannon was sharing uh, about his morning this morning, uh, because I do think that we have many roadblocks to God, and sometimes we just don't know what those things are. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, if we claim to have what? Okay, we've done the last couple of weeks, remember, on fellowship. How many of you enjoyed the series the last two weeks? Fellowship. So if we claim to have fellowship then with Him, that's with Christ, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Here's John, he's getting pretty uh, in-depth and intense with, uh, with the people he was writing to and saying, look, you know, if you're, if you're walking in the darkness but you claim to have fellowship with Christ, then you lie and you do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Man, this is cool. Because you think about the fellowship concept, fellowship with who? With Christ. And also, next verse, fellowship with? With one another, okay? With one another. Okay, so the issue is the reason is that too often we don't really accept fellowship or even move into fellowship. And one of the reasons for that is because we are struggling with some things in our life that are probably dark areas of our life. And... It says here that we have to let the light shine, where? On the darkness. So this morning, I'm praying for some light to come into your darkness. He said, let there be light, and there was light. 
That was right, that's Genesis 1.1. That's very good. Let there be light and there was light. But let me say this morning, let there be light this morning in the dark areas of your life. I think we all have them. I think that we all have our own little struggles and our own little we things that hold us, the cones, it could be just little cones, but they're big enough to hinder even a car from, go, from going through them, right? So they don't have to be big things. It's the little foxes that what? Spoil the vine. The little foxes that spoil the vine. So where does, where does the light need to shine for us to have fellowship with Christ and with one another? It needs to shine in the darkness. And that's what the Word of God is for, right? It divides, it's alive and it's active and it, and it cuts through some stuff. It's, it cuts through the roadblocks, cuts through the, 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 the places that hinder us from moving forward with Christ and with one another. Fellowship with Christ, fellowship with one another. Okay, so it's both. What's the greatest commandments? Love God, love, love, love each other. Okay, so here's the issue. What stops us? What stops us from moving into all that God has for us? What stops us with having, to, to having fellowship? What stops us? What prevents us from uh, moving into the promised land? I'm going to talk about the promised land uh, just for a moment because I think it's one of the aspects, dynamics of the Old Testament. Old Testament is always symbolic of, uh, of our own life today. We don't have land as promise. We have the Word of God as promise, okay? 33, I think it's 32,000 or 33,000 promises in the Word of God and every one of them for us. And uh, that's what we are moving into, right? That's what we have in Christ when we're in fellowship with Him and in fellowship with one another. However, there was a guy that never made it into the promised land and his name was Moses. Moses' assignment was never the wilderness. Moses' assignment was always the promised land. Moses' assignment was to get three and a half million Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and bring them into the promised land. And yet Moses stopped short of the promised land and stayed in the wilderness until he died. He saw it, but he could never walk into it. And the reason for that, well, there's a whole lot of reasons. Uh, there was, a, there was a, an aspect of his life that Moses had never, ever worked through or dealt with. There was something that was a bit of a disconnect for Moses that actually created uh, issues. Anybody had issues? Anybody got issues? Well, we need to talk about these things because they're important to talk about uh, because you can't just gloss over some things and think you're going to go into full fellowship with Christ and even full fellowship with one another. I think one of the reasons why you don't have friends, you know, it takes a friend to be a friend, right? You heard that saying? That's not in the Bible, but kind of is. But it's just a saying, but it's an important saying because too often we look at the friends around us or the people around us and we say we can't be friends with them. And one of the reasons is, probably the main reason is because uh, uh, you don't know how to be a friend, right? And uh, th there are walls that we put up and we're going to talk about that. Every conversation that God had uh, uh, with Moses 
about his assignment, God never said to Moses that the wilderness was where he was supposed to end up. Moses, uh, Canaan is your destiny. Moses, Canaan is the place of blessing and favour for you. That's where you're heading. But Moses did not reach his redemptive potential. He did not go as far as he could have gone. He did not have the impact he could have had. And it wasn't God's fault, by the way. The impact that he could have had, Moses, the impact that's there in you, the impact, that the potential that you could have seen, you will, no, you will not have anymore. You will not see it uh, because Moses had an issue. So you'll see when God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, you're, in, you're staying in the wilderness now, was because they'd run out of water in the wilderness. The people had got angry with Moses and therefore Moses got very angry with the people. God told Moses, I want you to speak to the rock and Moses did what? He spoke to the people and he got real angry with them. You rebellious people. Uh, and, and, and out of that, he strikes the rock with his staff, with his stick. He strikes it instead of speaks to it. And so God says, look, Moses, I'm done with your emotional issue. I'm, I've had enough of the anger that's gone on in your life. And you'll track, if you track back Moses' life, you'll see even before he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, he killed a couple of Egyptians. He killed an Egyptian, sorry, while, two, he, uh, while he was, uh, the, the Egyptian was beating up some Hebrews. All right. Um, he, there's a whole lot of dynamics right through Moses' life that would show you that he had an issue. He was angry. Are you angry? Are you competitive? Or what do you mean? Well, it can be an issue. Are you territorial? <laughs> wow, we've got so much honesty going on in the room right now. That's impressive. Are you judgmental? Are you hypersensitive? Hypersensitive. Are you, oh, do you struggle with self-esteem? Are you driven? I mean, you know, your drivenness can actually be admired at times, but it actually can be a symptom of a sickness that needs to be addressed. See, brokenness needs healing. Otherwise, we bring our brokenness into fellowship and we never get fellowship. We just limit our life to a, uh, it's just limited because we have stayed in our brokenness and that is not the way that we're to do relationships. And we never reach fellowship because of our brokenness. That's why people who are just kind of, they're connected, but they're not doing fellowship. They're kind of in, you know, I, I, I go to Annersbrook Church. Uh, I talk about Annersbrook Church as being them and they. It's never us and we or I because I can't get that close to people. I can't get in there. Fellowship with Christ, I know about God, but I don't really know God. And, the, and people live in bitterness. Un, they're unforgiving. They're hard. They're aggressive. 
and they're hard to get close to. Now here's the thing with Moses, you've got to understand, Moses was not spiritually immature. But he wasn't emotionally whole either. How far could Moses have really gone if he had seen that issue was still unaddressed? And for years, here's the other dynamic with Moses, for years he's got this issue, but he's having amazing experiences with God. Presence of God, great worship, he's, he, he's teaching the Word, he's praying for people, God is using him in miraculous ways, but he's not whole. There was some injury in Moses' life. Some things happened to him that impacted on his world and, and, and actually hindered and limited his future. He'd been injured. Some would suggest that it's possible that he lived a, a life of rejection. Well, how do we know that, that that could have been a problem? Well, your parents send you down the Nile River in a basket. You know, it's not the most healthiest family dynamics at all, is it? He didn't even know who his mother was, even though he had a babysitter, all right? Uh, living in, uh, with, the Hebrew, uh, with the Egyptians as a Hebrew, he didn't, it was confusing. So he was brought up by Pharaoh, babysat by his mother, I think, or his sister, or one of them. So there was something there. Uh, but uh, really, you know, there was a lot of rejection. Where was his father? Why didn't his father help him? Why didn't his father come to his aid? You can imagine what Moses is thinking, right, in his growing up years which would have really impacted on his life. Injury. Injury becomes the wound that gives birth to something that Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about. And the Apostle Paul used this word because the Corinthian church that he was writing to about this particular issue knew what he meant. He said this, injury gives birth to strongholds. Strongholds. The Apostle Paul started talking about strongholds to the Corinthian church because he could see that there were road cones in the way. He could see that there were trucks in the way. He could see that the road was blocked to the very fullness of God for the Corinthian people. When we say strongholds, we'll probably often look at the, the dynamic of OCD, right? Obsessive compulsive disorder. Anyone here got anything like that going on? Don't worry, don't put your hand up right now. It's okay. Addictions, what about addictions? Uh, we often think of strongholds as those sorts of things. Now, um, that, that's not the stronghold. That's the evidence of a stronghold. But it ain't the stronghold. Because where does where is a stronghold lie? It's not on the outworking of your life, right? It's, on, it's, it's, it's the inworking of your life. Where, where does, when, when the Apostle Paul talks about strongholds, where is he talking about the strongholds being? In the mind. Right? Paul's talking about something really strong in our minds that limits us from moving forward in the things of God. Two Corinthians chapter 10. He's not talking about the behavior itself. 
He's talking about a mindset. He's talking about a way of thinking that engages me in that type of behaviour, the OCD behaviour or the addictive behaviour. And that mindset is often set up after injury. Okay, you still with me? So pain makes you think different. It makes you draw conclusions that aren't necessarily true. It makes, it makes you more, make conscious and unconscious vows to live your life a certain way. So we get hurt in one season and we then make a decision about how we're going to live now in every season of our life. Uh, children who get hurt in their childhood by their parents or by a family member uh, or, or, or by a teacher, uh, just what happens is creates injury. And that injury becomes a wound. And that wound becomes acted out often by behavioural issues. And the behavioural issues are a sign of a stronghold that's now been created in that child's mind. Often I can be talking to a 40-year-old, but actually he's really 12 years old in his mind because he's built a stronghold as a 12-year-old and living it out as a 40-year-old. Still with me? It's very quiet. So we think, here's, the, here's what we think. We think that our stronghold is, is there to protect me. Okay, now listen to what Paul says about that. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. Nathan, it should be there. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish what? Yeah. This is a powerful verse. What this means is, if you've got a stronghold going on that's, that's set in your mind, you can break that power. You can break the power of that stronghold, break it off your life. You've been living in poverty all your life. You don't have to live in poverty. You can start to think differently and see things completely differently and see the favour of God and the blessing of God on your life in that regard. Break yourself out of the cycle of poverty into a whole new cycle of abundance and overflow. Absolutely you can. But you'll never see it as a reality in the practical aspect or in your behavioural dynamics until you've actually got it broken in here. Break the cycle of poverty in here first. And then you watch abundance and overflow begin to take over your life. Pretty awesome, eh? This is what can happen. The things that you've been struggling with, the things that you've been working with. Can someone want to do my shoelace up? Because <laughs> I'm on a roll. I just want to keep going. Thanks, babe. Glad you came this morning. Thanks. Uh, so, so the, and there's so many other things as well. Your anger. You don't have to live angry. You don't have to be angry. You have, in Christ, 
weapons of divine power to demolish the strongholds, to break the mindsets. You don't have to be judgmental. You don't have to be uh, uh, territorial. Oh, let me come to that. I'm gonna because f- I'll finish off with that, David, because I think it's a really, really good question. You don't have to stay angry because God's got an answer. Uh, Paul says you've got to demolish those strongholds. They are anti-God, and it's impossible to fully reflect all of who you're meant to be when you have strongholds. Okay, so what are strongholds? Strongholds are walls built to protect. That's why he said, why Paul was able to say to the Corinthian church, um, you know, he was able to bring out the word stronghold because he knew, he knew what they meant. Because what, the cities were built with strong, as strongholds. They had walls built around them. It was interesting, isn't it, that the Israelites, the first thing they came to in the promised land when they were walking in, Joshua was now the new leader and a whole new thing was happening. But the first thing they had to do was bust down a stronghold. <laughs> Have you ever thought of that? Seven times round, the walls of Jericho. And the the walls broke down and now they became ramps. And that's what you need. You need the walls to be broken down and for them now to become ramps to be able to actually lay claim to the things that God has for your life. Strongholds are walls built to protect from outside threats. They protect me from injury. They protect me from harm. Not realising that the same thing that was built to protect me can become the thing that limits me. That's why Moses got stuck in the wilderness. The thing that was intended to protect him imprisoned him. So here's, here's the danger. I can build a wall here in front of me. I can build a wall here to the, to the right-hand side of me, to, to behind me, and to the, the left-hand side of me, right? So everywhere where I move, I've built walls. So what the good thing about it is, is that I kind of feel like I'm moving, right? I'm moving because I can walk here and I can walk there, but every time I'm coming up against a wall, and it can be years of doing this, thinking, well, I'm moving, I'm moving, it's all good, I'm moving, but in actual fact, what's happening? 40 years later, walking around in circles, walking around in the wilderness, I'm moving, but I'm not progressing. You think about the last 12 months, have you progressed in the things of God? Have you been able to shift some things in your mind that have kept you where you were 12 months ago, but have you been able to shift those things to now being free? So I assume moving is progress, but I realise after years of moving, I have made no progress at all. I'm just going round in circles. See, we've been moving, thanks David, we've been moving, but no measurable change. I'm moving, but I'm just wandering in the wilderness. So what are these walls? These walls are number one, mindsets. Number two, unbiblical thinking systems. And they are ways of reasoning. And each time we get hurt, we add a brick to the wall. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall. All in all, come on, everybody. Come on, Paul, you should draw me quicker than that. Gosh. And we get hurt, we add a brick to protect ourselves. 
And over time, over experiences and over seasons, we can have a mindset, a thinking pattern that now limits us. And we can have a way of thinking that limits our progress. I may be parting the Red Sea, but that anger is still there. I may be having great worship experiences in the presence of God, but I'm still judgmental. I'm still bitter. I'm still hurting. And the wound continues to bleed and it's slowly draining the life out of me. The weapons we have have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds, those things that we think keep us safe, but really we are trapped. And at some point, We have to go back and say, yep, as a baby, I was dropped. Yep, okay, I've been abused. Yep, I've been abandoned. Yeah, I was left out to dry. I've been hurt. And that has really affected me. And the second thing, first thing was, some point you've got to go back and say those things, whatever's gone on, whatever's happened. And secondly, I have to say your greatest weapon has got to be forgiveness. You want to know what's going to stop the anger? It's going to be forgiveness. You want to have fellowship with Christ and fellowship with one another? It's going to be forgiveness. You have to keep short accounts. It's got to be forgiveness. By the way, forgiveness is not forgetting, but forgiveness can take the pain. Forgiveness is a choice. God says, hey, you need to forgive. If he said it, then you can do it. It's not an impossibility. Otherwise, if, he, if, you, if, if you can't forgive, then he wouldn't have said it. Too many of us are drinking the poison, hoping that the person we can't forgive dies. That's what they say unforgiveness is, or bitterness is. Drinking the poison, hoping that the other person dies. But it's you that's dying. Forgiveness is choosing to not hold someone's sin against them anymore. Willie, do you want to come on up? Be good. Forgiveness is choosing to not hold someone's sin against them anymore. Forgiveness is actually choosing to pray prayers to God, saying, God, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I don't feel like it. I probably don't want to, but I know I should. So God, I choose to forgive. So Willie's going to play some music, and I want to give you an opportunity this morning that it's time to move some of the red cones out of the way. Time to move Fulton Hogan out of the way. (laughs) Because for some it might be a little wee cone, for others of you it might be a big truck. Uh, Whatever it is, however big it is, God can deal with it. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. And when Apostle Paul said, look, we we, we, we can demolish strongholds. We have a power to be able to do that. Then every now and then, when we read the Word of God, we've got to activate the Word. Every now and then, We've actually got to do something about it. And here's a chance this morning, an opportunity this morning. If you know you have someone that you need to forgive in your life and you know, well, maybe you don't even know that it's been limiting your relationship with God, but I tell you what, unforgiveness does limit 
your relationship with God and your relationship with one another. So if you know you need, so, you need to forgive someone, I'm gonna ask you to stand where you are. I'm not gonna ask you to come out the front, but I'm just gonna ask you to stand. You know you need to forgive someone. Don't do it just because you know, you're about to feel like it. Just do it because you know it's a choice to make. I choose to forgive today. Just in this moment, I'm just get you to stand where you are. Say, yeah, okay, I do need to forgive. I really do need to forgive someone. Could, be, could have been something from years back, years back, but you know it's affected you. It's affected your mindset as a child and you've brought it into your adult life. And here's an opportunity this morning to forgive. Just give you a few more moments. Let God speak. Let the Holy Spirit begin to reveal to you some areas, some, some people begin to bring faces in, in the forefront of your mind. By the way, uh, if you do have a face in the forefront of your mind, you'll know that's the person you need to forgive. You know you need to forgive. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Are you willing? Remember, our will is different to our emotions. Our will is, is the choice area of our life. Our emotions are feelings and how I feel about this, how I feel about that. We actually, we actually will today to forgive. We choose to forgive. We don't want to be stuck in the wilderness for another 40 years. We want to move on into all the promises that God has for our life. Thank you, Lord. All right, I'm going to get you to pray this prayer. Those of you who are standing, I'm going to get you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I choose today to forgive. Now you name the person you're forgiving. See them in front of your mind, mind's eye. Just begin to name them. Just like there might be more than one, like two or three even, choosing to forgive today. Okay, repeat after me. I choose not to hold on to my resentment. Set me free from the bondage of my bitterness. In Jesus' name, I release myself now from unforgiveness and I walk into the forgiveness of God. Thank you, Lord, that you died on a cross for me, that you forgave me. Now I have power to forgive others. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Every person that's standing, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that bitterness would be cut off and to come against the come to the root of the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the root of it, and we just uh, lay the axe to that root. In Jesus' name, we cut that root. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let God do the avenging. Let God do the avenging. 
because you need the freedom. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that the strongholds that have been in your mind, that have created mindsets, unbiblical patterns, I pray, Lord God, that there would be now a light that comes into the darkness so that we may have fellowship with you and fellowship with one another in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, why don't you put your hands together. Give God some praise this morning. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website 